told uh, your pastor what my message title was, but since I spoke to him, I changed changed the title. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, he hasn't put it in the bulletin or anything like that, has he? No. No. Okay. All right. So, if if you're taking notes or you just want to know, the title of the message is, How Are You? How Are You? Okay? That is the title of this morning's message. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for what we have been able to do already in this wonderful service this morning. And Lord, I thank you for this local church. Lord, these dear ones who love you and want to serve you and be a light for you in this community. I thank you for providing them with a pastor and his family and many who would put their hands up to not just love you, but to live for you. And for each one who is in this place this morning and for those who are watching, Lord, I ask that you would help them to have ears to hear. Lord, we don't want it to go in one ear and out the other. We want it to go in both ears, meet in the middle and settle down into the heart. Lord, please bless, I pray, as we would look to you and into your word. Amen. Amen. So, how are you? How are you? That's the question. Now, we say that all the time when we meet each other. Oh, how are you? And, and, and it's okay to do that. And usually we just say, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Although at the moment I'm happy to say, well, yeah, good and bad. All right? Um, but sometimes, I remember there was a song going around back in the... 70s, I think it was, before I be, became a Christian, um, and the words uh, were maybe the reason why we ask people how they are is because that's easier than letting on how little we could care. That's pretty, pretty deep, pretty thought-provoking stuff, isn't it? Okay, so you meet somebody and you and you say, I don't care how you are. I'm just saying good day. <laughs> Actually, I might try start. To, I might try that and see what sort of reaction I get, and then I'll be able to turn around and say, "Actually, I really do care. I really do care, not just how you are physically, but how you are spiritually." And that's what the question is about this morning. Okay, physically, I trust you are well, and even if you aren't well physically, I trust that you are well spiritually. And I've got three questions that I'm going to deal with in regards to this matter of um, how you are. But before we get to that, how many of you, and please be honest, how many of you arranged to go and see your doctor for a regular checkup, whether you are sick or not? Okay, how many of you arranged to go and see your doctor for a regular check-up, whether you're sick or not, and I'm not going to put my hand up. There's one brother down the back, two, three, four, five, about about five to ten percent of those of us in the room. Now, I grew up on a farm. My dad was a tough old farmer. He eventually went to, he was about my age that I am now, I think, a little bit older, but he eventually went to see the doctor about something that had been a problem for a year or so, 
And by the time he went to see the doctor, the doctor said, you've got three months to live. Because he waited too, too late. Wasn't having a regular checker. Okay, and sadly I've been somewhat like my dad, that I'll go and see the doctor if I'm sick. I mean, that's what they're there for, to go and see when you're sick. But a wise person will actually go and see the doctor on a regular basis to have a checkup. And that's what this morning's message is. You're here and you didn't realise it, but you've come to see the doctor to have a checkup. You may think you're well. You may think you're fit as a fiddle spiritually, but perhaps by the end of this message you may say, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not as fit spiritually as I thought I was. Now the Lord Jesus identified himself as the good doctor, the great physician. In uh, Luke chapter 5, if you want to have a look at the first verse, Luke chapter 5, verse 31-32, Luke chapter 5, verse 31-32, Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole or well need not a physician or a doctor, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, those who think they're well, but sinners, those who are spiritually sick, to repentance. So the Lord Jesus identifies himself as the good spiritual doctor. And he came to heal our souls. Jump back to Isaiah. We've been there, but chapter 53, many of you will be familiar with these verses in Isaiah 53, and we're going to jump back to Psalms. Isaiah 53, verse 5, says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, our sins. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are... Healed. It's not talking about physical healing. The context is talking about sins and iniquities and transgressions. It's talking about spiritual healing. Let's have a look at Psalm 41 verse 4. Psalm 41 verse 4. Psalm 41 verse 4 says, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Unto me. Heal my soul. Heal my soul. For I have sinned against thee. That's the sort of doctor that the Lord Jesus is. And that's the imagery that we're going to use for our checkup today. Because we're talking about how you are spiritually. Spiritually. And the first question is this. I've got three questions for you, basically. The first question is this. Are you alive? We're not talking about physically, otherwise you wouldn't be here. We're talking about spiritually. Are you alive spiritually? Obviously you're alive, alive physically, but it is possible for you to be sitting there this morning and you are dead spiritually. Let's have a look at... Romans chapter 5. 
Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. And it's not just talking about physical death, it's talking about spiritual death passed upon all men. Jump across to Ephesians. Just a few pages. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5 say this. Ephesians 2, 1 to 5 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, Prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our life uh, in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened or made alive us together with Christ, for by grace are ye saved. We are saved from death. Come across to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24 says... Verily, verily, this is the truth, I say unto you, he that heareth my words, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, look at these last words, but is passed from death unto life. Are you alive? Are you spiritually alive? Come across to uh, John 11, just a few pages, John chapter 11. Verse 25, the Lord Jesus says, uh, said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, The Lord Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father by me. The way to pass from death to life is to believe on the Lord Jesus, to trust him for the forgiveness of your sins, to be born again into God's family, to be saved from destruction, be saved from drowning, as it were. And one of my favourite illustrations to help understand this truth is our Australian lifesaver. They're called a lifesaver because they save people's lives. The Lord Jesus is the great lifesaver. He saves people's eternal lives. Now, you have to understand, my friend, that you are drowning in the sea of sin. And until you will admit that and admit that you are drowning and you can't save yourself, 
but you must call out to the life saver and say, Lord Jesus, save me, you are still dead in your sin. Now, it's very important to understand who the Lord's lifesaver is. Okay? The Lord Jesus is far, far, far more than a good man. The Lord Jesus is the sinless Son of God. God come down from heaven. The Creator humbled himself and took upon himself the form of a servant. He was God, shown, revealed, manifested in the flesh. If you don't believe who the lifesaver is, he can't save you. The key is understanding and believing who he is. It's easy enough to believe who we are, okay? If you've got half a brain, you know you're a sinner. And you need someone to take your sin away. The challenge for most people is admitting that they can't do it themselves. And they need the lifesaver to do it. And there is a day, there is a moment where by faith you say, Lord Jesus, I understand who I am and now I understand who you are. Save me. Forgive me. Have you had that day? Can you look back? You may not be able to remember the date, but you should be able to remember the moment, the day where you pass from death to life. This is whether or not you're going to heaven or going to hell. It's not something you go, oh, mate, I'm not sure. I I, I reckon I've talked to people who say, I've always been a Christian. Garbage. It's not possible. You have to make the choice. If you were baptised as a baby, you didn't make that choice. There needs to be a day where you say to the Lord Jesus, I understand who I am and I understand who you are. I need you to forgive me and save my soul. And that day, you become part of God's family and you are safe because you've been saved. And I love the picture of the lifesaver swimming out to the person who's drowning, taking hold of them and saying, just relax, I've got you. That's a beautiful picture of your salvation, Christian. It's not how hard you hold on to the Lord Jesus, it's how strong he is as he swims back to shore. And so as he's swimming back to shore, who can help me and tell me what shore the shore is? He's, take, he's swimming back to shore with you in his arms. Where's he taking you to? Heaven. He's taking you to heaven. But the swim back is the rest of your life. And you don't have to worry about holding on to him that you'll make it there to heaven. You can relax because he's got hold of you and you can say, hey everybody, he can save you too. As he gets you there. Are you saved? Have you been born again? How are you? Are you alive? Secondly, if you are alive, it's possible to be alive and be part of God's family. 
I've used up all my time, have I? Yep, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no one can see you. You're walking around all over the place, mate. <laughs> I've tried to stay within the parameter of the wide angle as much as I can. <clears throat> One of the things that the Lord taught me back in 1995 was that he didn't make me Harold Davies, the guy you saw. Harold Davies didn't need legs, okay? When he preached, he might as well have not had any legs because he just <laughs> stayed behind the pulpit the whole time. When I would preach, I, I tried to imitate my pastor and there's a lot of good things to imitate about him. The Bible says, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But how he, his personality it wasn't the same as mine. <laughs> and I'd be behind the pulpit and my legs going, let me out of here! And then one day the Lord allowed me to see a preacher who was much more like me than Harold Davies, who, when he started preaching, he lasted like one and a half seconds behind the pulpit, and then he was out doing stuff. <laughs> and the Lord used that to teach me that I'm Kevin Curran, and I need to be me, otherwise it's wood, hay and stubble. You be you. If you are quiet, be quiet. Don't try to be loud and noisy and jumping all around if that's not who God made you to be. Be who you are. And you'll have gold, silver and precious stones. And I know that the reason why the Lord made me to move around a lot is to keep people awake during my, the boring <laughs> preaching. Okay? So that's, that's why... Well, that's my, that's my theory anyway. Number two, you may be saved but you may be sick. Okay? When you pass from death to life, you can't die again. You're safe. But sadly, you can get sick. It's possible for a child of God to misbehave, to sin. Now, it doesn't cause loss of salvation. You got that? This guy preaches that nice and solidly here, I, I know. Okay? When a Christian sins, you cannot... You cannot lose your salvation, but you can lose your fellowship. You can lose your effectiveness. You can use your usefulness. You can lose your joy. 1 John 1 9, who can quote it with me? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That those words were spoken by John to Christians, not to the unsaved. It was about restoring your walk with the Lord. Okay? It was saying, Christian, your life can become useless. You're in bed, in hospital, sick, and you need to be cured. And the, the cure... For sickness in a Christian, spiritual sickness in a Christian's life is the same way that we were cured of our sin as an unsaved person, and that is through forgiveness. We won't turn there, otherwise, I'll be preaching for another five hours, okay? But write down John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Go and read that passage. It is where the Lord Jesus washes the disciples' feet. But it is not about being a servant. 
It is not about humility. It is true that the Lord Jesus acts as a servant there. It is true that he is humble there, but he is giving an object lesson, like the fabulous object lesson that we had this morning here from Brother Al. Okay? The, the Lord doesn't want you to go around scrunching up $5 notes and banging them with hammers. That's not why you were given that lesson with the $5 note. You were to learn something from it. The reason why the Lord Jesus washed the disciples' feet was so that they would learn something from it. And he said to them, unless, he said to Peter in particular, unless I wash your feet, you can't have anything to do with me. And he wasn't talking about salvation, he was talking about fellowship. And it was a picture. Because when Peter said, well in that case, Lord, wash me all over. The Lord's response was this, He that is washed all over needeth not save but to wash his feet. Let me just paraphrase that for you. If you've had a bath, you don't have to have another bath, you just need to wash your feet. Because in those days, if you study manners and customs and read the book, okay, then you will learn that they didn't have cars, they had streets and tracks and paths, and they didn't have trucks or taxis or buses or trains, they had donkeys and camels. And there was a parallel with today. Cars have exhaust emissions, right? Camels have exhaust emissions. Donkeys have exhaust emissions as well. Um, but rather than sort of filtering up into the air, they drop on the ground. And as you're walking around in your sandals, you're... Oh. Okay? Then when you get to your friend's place, you've got to take your shoes off. And you've got to have your feet washed before you can come in and fellowship. And he said, you don't have to have a bath when you arrive at your friend's place. You just have to have your feet washed. And he said, and you all are clean. Bath, washed all over except one, for he knew who would betray him. There was one in amongst them who was not saved, who was not washed all over. Being washed all over is being forgiven for salvation. Having your feet washed is the Lord Jesus forgiving you, forgiving you unto restoration and fellowship. So you can be sick spiritually. Are you sick spiritually? Is there something that is causing your fellowship with the Lord to be cut off at the moment? You need to get that sorted out with the Lord. And finally, are you growing? God's clear intention for his children once they are alive, once they've been born into his family, is that they would grow. Second Peter 3.18 says that grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It is God's intention for you to be a kangaroo Christian. Now, why do I say a kangaroo Christian? And we know that the kangaroo and the emu are both on the Australian emblem. For what reason? Can anyone tell me what the reason is? They can't go backwards. Very good. Well done. Okay? Because they can't walk backwards. But there's something that a kangaroo and a Christian have in common that an emu and a Christian don't have, have in common. Okay? And it's not because they've got a bounce in their step. All right? <laughs> there is something about a kangaroo and a Christian and that is that they should have in common 
and from the, and that is this: from the day that a kangaroo is born until the day that it dies, it never stops growing. Never stops growing. How about that? A few animals in the world that are like that, that will just keep getting bigger and bigger. They don't reach a certain... Like an elephant. Big animal, but it reaches a certain size and that's as big as it gets. Just starts to get older and shrivel up and stuff. But a kangaroo just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And there are some other animals like that too. And a Christian spiritually is supposed to be like that too. That you are to continue to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ until the day that you go to be with him. Keep growing. Don't stop growing. Keep growing. Don't stagnate. Grow. Keep growing. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, physically, how is the best way to grow and be strong? And what, what about parents, what do you say to your kids? How are you going to grow up big and strong? Eat well. Eat well. Eat your veggies. Eat your steaks. Okay? Yes? Got a thumbs up? All right. Eat, don't just eat your veggies, eat your steak and your veggies. Um, yeah, well, I'm not going to go there. Right? <laughs> now, Second Peter 2.2 2 says what? Desire this, like a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the, the word. That's how you grow. Where does a Christian get their nutrition? From the scripture. You will grow as you not just come faithfully along and hear the scripture um, taught by your pastor and your Sunday school teacher, but as you daily, have you got a dedicated time and place where daily you grow and get some nutrition from the Lord, from his word? It's, it doesn't have to be a ritual, but it ought to be a habit, a good habit. And see this girl over here. Um, sorry. Uh, what was your name again? <laughs> Sandy, that's it. You. We met at the older, didn't we? That's right. <laughs> but guess what? We continue to meet every day and get to know each other better every day. And our relationship and our our relationship grows closer and better every day. Is it 37 that we're coming up to? I don't know. One of these days we'll have our 40th. But the whole point is, as I tell young people, when you have a marriage that is based on the Lord and you're growing closer to the Lord, then you will grow closer, closer to your husband or wife and you will become one flesh. And it happened just again a couple of days ago. I can't remember who we were talking to. Um, I said something or other and Sandy opened her mouth to say something and I said to the person, listen to this. <laughs> I knew what she was going to say. <laughs> and the number of times this has happened where someone said, did you, did you know she was going to say that? I said, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> We've been married for 37 years. We know each other. We know the same old story. We just tell the same story over and over again to everybody. <laughs> Are you with me? Yes. It takes time and effort to develop a relationship. Yes. Praise the Lord you come every Sunday. 
That's great. But that's just the start to growing your relationship with the Lord. Exercise. Nutrition and exercise will help you to grow. There is the exercise of praise. The exercise of praise and thanksgiving. You can write down Hebrews 13.24. Hebrews 13.24 where it says we offer, offer the sacrifice of praise. It, it's a sacrifice not to take the credit myself when things go well. Okay? To acknowledge that thank you Lord for this. Thank you Lord. And do you mind? Hang on. Oh, back's a bit stiff at the moment. I'm just... Getting on my hobby horse here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Christian. Some of you know what's coming here if you know me well enough. Please don't blaspheme and swear by using words such as fortunate and lucky. Shame on you, Christian, if that is in your if those words are in your vocabulary. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord. The very hairs of your head are numbered. The Lord knows if a sparrow falls. So when you get that car park, instead of saying, that was a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) A Christian saying that was a blessing. Oh, come on, that's getting a bit over the top. Or when you get the job and you go, praise the Lord. Isn't that what... That should just roll off your lips. That should be your breath of thanks to the one who you're so close to, who you know gives everything. He sends the rain and the sun on the good and the evil. And that's an exercise as you praise him. It's an exercise. And it helps you to grow. Prayer is another wonderful exercise. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Productivity is another exercise. I haven't got, it's not two hours yet, is it? No, I'm getting close. Oh, it is two hours. I have passed the two hours. Okay. Come and look at this verse. It's one that you don't know very well, so turn with me, with me to Colossians 1.10. This is not one of the ones that just rolls off the tongue of us preachers. So I want you to come and have a look, up, look at it. You're probably not familiar with it. Okay, Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 and we are just about done. There's only another half hour to go. (laughs) Alright, Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 says, now this is Paul's prayer for the Colossians, okay? That ye, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's got it all in there, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Getting to know him more and more, but notice being fruitful in every good work, productivity. What is the good work that God has you to do spiritually for eternity? What are your areas of service? Are you one of the invisible parts of the body that nobody sees? Okay? Everybody... Sees and hears too much of my mouth, right? And you see my hands and all that sort of stuff. But you don't see my backbone. But I tell you what, if I didn't have a backbone, I wouldn't be able to run, do all this stuff, would I? No. 
You don't see my heart. You don't see my thyroid gland. All these things are crucial to my body functioning well. But a lot of them aren't seen. And you may be one of those unseen vital organs in this local church. Behind the scenes, you're praying for your pastor. Behind the scenes, you're giving the missions. Behind the scenes, you are quietly going to this one who you can see is discouraged and putting your arm around them, uh, keeping social distancing at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And encouraging that one quietly. You with me? You're a team. What is your part in the body? Are you in the right place? Are you doing all that God wants you to be doing at the moment? What's on your plate? Or are you like me? Is there too much on your plate? My wife is constantly reminding me, honey, learn how to say no. I have a burden for so many things, but I've almost learnt that I can't do everything. And maybe the reason why I keep thinking, well, I could do this and I could do that, and I've got too much on my plate, maybe it's because you've only got two peas on your plate. And you need to step up and say, Lord, I just realised I've only got two peas on my plate. I think you want me to have a bit more than that. Are you going to step up? Are you going to grow? Perhaps that might involve doing a bit of study at BWC. Perhaps not. Perhaps it means saying, I am going to be faithful in prayer. Whatever it is that God's laying on your heart, you know it, I don't. In Colossians 4, 7, we're in Colossians, so you can just turn across to chapter 4, verse 17. It's uh, the second last verse of the book. Colossians 4, 17. And say to Brother Frank, take heed to the ministry. No. <laughs> and say to Archippus, and put your name in there perhaps. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfillest. Archippus had pushed it off the plate. Perhaps you aren't fulfilling what the Lord has for you. My friends, having a burden for something something isn't necessarily a calling. David had a burden to build the temple, but the prophet Nathan, prophet Nathan was sent to him to say, I know you want to do it, but that's not your calling. Your son is going to build the temple. You do what I've got for you to do. So yes, I trust that you all have a burden for the mission field and for the lost, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're called to be a missionary or you're called into the door-knocking ministry. You must have a burden for the lost, but you need to find your part in the team that work that gets it done. Anybody out there? Yes? And if you're not sure, you've got a pastor, a pastor's wife here, and if you were to come up and say, what do you think the Lord has for me? Guess what? They probably will be able to tell you because it's often easier for someone else to see your gifts and abilities than for you to see your own. And that's why God gave you your pastor and your pastor's wife and your other brethren here to help you. Talk together. Pray together. Serve together. Grow together. 
Are you alive? If you're not, if I was to come up to you and I was to say to you, do you know whether or not you're born again and part of God's family and are going to go to heaven? Do you know that for, for certain? And what is the basis that you reckon you're going to get to heaven? If I was to come up to you and say that to you, what would be your answer? Would you be able to confidently say, I know I'm going to heaven because I gave up me trying and I gave it all over to the Lord Jesus and trusted him. And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Perhaps you're a Christian here this morning and you're sick spiritually. There's sin that's snuck into your life and you need to fix it. Fix it now, my friend. God is wooing you and he's able to cleanse your feet and set you back where he wants you and where you'll have the most joy. And finally, are you growing? Are you growing? Lord, we thank you that you have given us a wonderful purpose to be here on this earth. Lord, first and foremost, that purpose is to come to know you and trust you as our personal saviour. Have our sins forgiven and join the family of heaven. And then once we are part of your family, part of your team, you have a wonderful job for us to do here and that involves growing in grace and in knowledge of you, Lord Jesus. Help us to do that and to be honest about where we're at, honest about how we are this morning. Amen. Also, thank you for that message. Uh, um, that's one of those messages worth listening to again. And you can listen to it again because I've got it recorded on YouTube. So um, it's one of those messages that has so many different facets to it, but it's, it's probably worth taking your time to enjoy the different facets of the scene and see where the Lord might be, what, what message he might have in there for you. Now, I know that the majority of you are probably saved here, if there are any here that aren't saved, today's a fantastic day to be saved. There's no better day and there's no better time than right now. Um, because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So if you're not saved this morning, if you're not sure whether you're saved or not, please come and speak to us after. Speak to Brother Kevin, speak to one of the, uh, one of the men here, or speak to one of the women if you're more comfortable with that. Someone who knows how to share the faith and who understands what salvation is. Because salvation is simply a free gift. Um, and it's such a wonderful thing. This is what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion in the world. Every religion in the world tells you to work for it. And then at the end, you don't know whether you're going to get there or not. Christianity is the only faith in the world, the only message in the world where the God of the universe says, I'm willing to give you something for free, and I paid a tremendous price for it. That's how much I love you. Just simply accept it. Amen. We have a problem with that because we are naturally proud. So... Please, make sure of that. And Christian, commit this year to the Lord. We've just started a new year. We've spoken about New Year's resolutions. Commit your year to the Lord. If you don't know where the Lord would have you this year, come and speak to us. 
We're happy to help you along. We want you to grow. And as he's, as uh, Brother Kevin said, that's our job. Our job is to try and help you to grow in the Lord Jesus, to grow in His grace and in the knowledge of Him. So uh, thank you for that message once again. Thank you for your blessing to us. And um, Brother Gomer, would you lead us in a final um, hymn? Uh, actually, I'll just pray quickly before that, and we'll thank the Lord once again for this time. Father in heaven, we once again thank you for your presence here among us. We thank you that we're two or three are gathered in your name, Lord Jesus, you are here. And we pray that your spirit would continue to work within our hearts. Help us to grow into that beautiful image of our Saviour who loved us and gave himself for us that we might be free from this sin that has plagued humanity from the beginning. Heavenly Father, we pray that our lives would indeed be pleasing and honouring to you. And I pray that in everything we do, thought, word and deed, that our lives would give you the glory because you deserve it. We thank you so much that we don't have to work to get to heaven. We thank you for that precious gift that we can have in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Bless each and every person here, I pray, in his precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you.